the Evolving Media Podcast, a podcast where we take a look at the ever-changing world of media and where it might be heading, and how everyone interested in it can adapt their own thinking in order to thrive in the future. And as always, if you find this interesting, do rate it, comment, share and subscribe. It'll help all of us do more of all of this. In this episode of Evolving Media, I'm joined by Christian von Nesbeck, head of IP development at Nordisk Film Games, founder of Investigate North and creator of the project Cloud Chamber. He's also a partner with Sefima, the Norwegian Center for Interactive Media Arts, and has for the past year or so helped them build their Facebook group into a hub of news and information regarding innovative new media projects, and also into an interesting new network for practitioners in this field. Join us as we talk about the group, about the projects, about the people, and about where the world of media is heading, and what the future of narrative really looks like. Welcome. Christian, I'm so happy to have you here on on this podcast, uh, and thank you for agreeing to participate. Thank you for asking. Uh, right now, you have this group called Sefima. It's based in Norway, but I've been following your Facebook group quite vividly uh, for the past year or so. I can't remember how long it's been up. Could you tell me a little bit about the background? What's the reason? What's Sefima, and and why did you found the Facebook group, and and how's it panned out so far? Sure. Well, um, the group came out of, I guess, conversations that I had with Frederick Grava, who is the head of Sefima. And what they're doing is, um, Sefima is kind of an offshoot of the Norwegian Film School, where they're exploring new narrative technologies. So they are basically have PhD students and projects and things like that, and filmmakers and game makers all making you know, virtual reality stories and augmented reality stories and experiments and things like that. So it's a little bit like a film school with the exception that it's basically using all these new things. Um, and when I was talking to him about that, I got pretty excited about that because his vision is very much about the future of narratives and how is it, you know, how is it being developed and which things are being adopted and not adopted, both technologically, but also you know, the grammar of stories and so on. And that's always been my passion. So my suggestion was that, well, we, you know, we have the opportunity here to build um, an international network uh, around Facebook group and maybe also do a wiki so that we're basically mapping uh, the innovations as they arrive and are tested and survive or don't survive. I guess I have a very evolutionary view of how these things happen. Both my parents were biologists, so I kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind okay. of shaped everything. Um, so my suggestion with the wiki was was basically coming out of that, that, you know, we're in a period where, thanks to these new VR technologies and augmented reality te- technologies and so on, we're going to see a lot of evolution in the form of narratives. And there's going to be a lot of exploration. Some of them, some of these are going to be dead ends and some of them are actually going to be incorporated into the future of stories. That's an interesting thing to follow. That's an interesting thing to map and to discuss. So I think it came out of that. I know it came out of that. So I guess, you know, it's it's a Facebook group, but it's its core is what's going on at Safima in Norway. 
and then all the people who are in it and what their interests are and what they see is happening around and what their own experiments are and so on. So I spoke to Houston Howard of LA Film School uh, for the last episode and and just talked about his experiences teaching transmedia storytelling and stuff like this to his students. And uh, as he was uh, saying that it, it's nowadays it's a, a lot, lot about knowing whom to collaborate with and how to collaborate with them because you know you can't be an expert in all fields but you can have so much impact on your stories if you work with say animators or people who know big data or people who are savvy when it comes to creating uh, websites etc if you come from a tr- more traditional uh, film background and I guess this is sort of like an outgrowing of that as well but not only tied to a film school but to facebook group more of a looking at the whole world as a as a field of collaboration absolutely i think that's a really good point and i think it's underestimated both how useful it is but also how difficult it is i mean my own passion has for a long time been the future of stories and i you know i played a ton of role-playing games as a kid And then I went to university and studied film and media. I actually directed 10 short films in a TV series while I was studying. And then one of my last papers was basically called Living in the Future. And it was all about how, you know, it, or at least the conclusion was all about how games and computers had to be the future of stories because technology had shifted into this sort of network, computer, internet age. And for me, that meant, oh, you know, film is not going to be enough. We need, we need stories that reflect this new technology that everybody's working with every day. And I think exactly as you say, I think that the biggest challenge of this is bringing together new kinds of coalitions of specialists to create these things. Um, and I struggle with that myself. I made a game that I know you know, which is called Cloud Chamber, came out about four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. The central principle in that was that you could navigate the story and you could discuss it. It was found footage, but you were inside a, a 3D database. So it was actually a game you downloaded from Steam, but the core uh, interaction was actually discussing film clips with other users to figure out what was going on. And, you know, it worked really well for a limited audience. It was an avant-garde project and it, it won prizes and it didn't go out wide. But the biggest challenge was how do I get game makers and filmmakers to work together to tell a single coherent story? And I think that's changing for the better, but five years ago, probably today as well, you know, you couldn't really put game makers and filmmakers in the same room and ask them to solve the problem. They, you know, they didn't speak the same language. They didn't get up at the same time of the day. They didn't, you know, they don't drink beer in the same place and their view of working processes are immensely different. People who make games and, and, and work with computers, they have a, you know, nine to five job structure in their lives. Game projects take three, four years. You have a job for that period. Filmmakers, you know, they get together for two months and then they disband again into a new coalition. Then they get, to, it's a completely different way of life. So... You know, I, I this thing about bringing together people with skills who are not used to working together is very, very central to the future of storytelling. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, 
So perhaps that's right. a new, sorry, but perhaps that's a new uh, trade as well to be the uh, collaboration enabler or the, the translator between these different tribes of, of creators. Absolutely. And I think you could call that leadership. You know, I think yeah. it's it's actually, I'm pretty sure film directors had the same problem in the early days of film, that they were the only ones who could talk to both, you know, the chemical technicians who could develop the film and those guys who could manage a typewriter and those guys from the theater. I mean, you know, the chemistry people and theater people in the same room, you can't even imagine what that was like. Um, and the cameras weren't finished and so on. So I think it's a, it's a problem that comes up again and again, and is how do you manage coalitions of people who don't understand each other? <laughs> That's, uh, and I don't think it's getting that much better, to be honest. I think the challenge is still quite steep. For example, I think the games industry is maturing really rapidly these days from a storytelling perspective. We're seeing, you know, the big games are, are are telling much deeper stories today than they were just three years ago. You look at something like uh, God of War, and you know it's a, a what a two hundred million dollar game sold all over the world and works on your PlayStation. But when people tell you about it, what they'll tell you about it is the relationship between the father and the son in the game, and that's never happened before. You know, you've never had AAA games that told stories where the the core of them was actually human relationships. And I think that's an interesting thing going, going forward is that for virtual reality and, and augmented reality and all these immersive technologies that, that our Sophema group is about, it's still about bringing together traditional storytellers with the game storytellers. And then with these new technicians who understand how to get virtual reality to act or augmented reality to work. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's still going to be a main challenge for the coming years. And I think it's really important to get that going and to get that functioning because I believe there is a lot of uh, misconceptions and a lot of stereotyping going on between the different silos of creators, so to speak, uh, both yeah. ways. I mean, there are people who who have misconceptions about uh, gaming, the gaming industry, and about the filmmaking industry, and about the coders, and about you know all. There's mean misconceptions all around, basically. Definitely, and I wonder sometimes if it's like that in other businesses, but it it's definitely a thing here. But I do think that. I think human beings have a general tendency to silo things, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, in my day job, I'm head of IP development at Nordic Film Games, which is the investment arm of Egmont. And we've invested in a number of game developers and I can see it there. And also in some of the independent consulting that I do that, you know, a typical example is that game developers and advertising agencies don't understand each other at all, mm -hmm. you know? It's even though they have the same goal, there's not enough respect from either one for the other to try to understand how they work. Everybody just assumes that, you know, their way is the right way. Yeah. And it's just an endless source of problems. And I think, you know, I don't think advertising people and games people are worse 
people than the rest of humanity. So <laughs> I would imagine it's the same thing with oil rigs and space exploration and rally racing. And Tribalism is a thing, so we just need to be able to make tribal collaboration more of a thing i guess but i mean that's that's one thing that your page is is helping out with as well i think i mean you can take part of a lot of different discussions and a lot of different information and get to get in touch with people who have a lot of different experiences now just looking at the post from last week when i was uh, doing my research before this talk i mean the, the post you had on shared experiences as the perhaps the future of virtual reality experiencing together. I thought that was re a really interesting one uh, that, that you brought up on, on Sefima. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think we'd be a little bit surprised that we're at, what, 500 plus members now and it's, it's growing. It's almost as if the pace is picking up. I think we thought that this very narrow focus on cutting edge narratives would attract, you know, 150 people or something like that. But I think what is fascinating about it is that it's the future, right? I th I think Sartre, was it Sartre? I don't know. I don't want to be pretentious, but there's this great quote, which is that young people are homesick for the future. And I think we, you know, I'm almost middle-aged, I would say. I'm pretty homesick for the future still. I think that segment of the population is growing. And what's happening is that, you know, these headsets, the VR headsets, and all these rumors of the next wave of augmented reality, and, you know, there are Kickstarters now with, you know, smell add-ons to your VR headset and force feedback add-ons that are full body suits and so on. And when you even hear about these things, it kind of forces you to imagine what the future will be. And I think that's really exciting. And I think the storytelling aspect of that actually ties it together. So suddenly it's not just a bunch of tech. Suddenly it's all in the service of this thing that we've been, you know, doing for thousands of years, telling stories, all that classical stuff. And there's there's one more aspect. You mentioned that, you know, you were talking to a transmedia uh, teacher. I think you know, both you and I were members of the transmedia uh, movement. And my feeling is that it died, you know, it exploded mm -hmm. a thousand times, but it left a lot of unused energy around. There was a lot of really bright people who had thought a lot about this and put a lot of energy into it and kind of didn't know where to go afterwards. Um, and a lot of them actually drifted into, you know, virtual reality and immersive storytelling and all of these things. Mm. And I think that some of that is, is what we're feeling out there. And I think at the same time, we're seeing, you know, there's so many new things happening right now that um, it's almost as if it's the return of it in a different shape. Um, I remember there was a meme, this Gene Wilder meme, where, you know, where he looks incredulously at the camera. And so, so tell me how you're going to reinvent the future of storytelling. And that was, you know, that was when the transmedia movement died, right? It was that point, it became kind of a joke. But now, I mean, now it's almost as if it's getting serious again. We've had the hype, we've had the trough of disillusionment, but now the, even though, you know, virtual reality hasn't sold a billion headsets, it's growing and it's growing faster and faster. Um, there are things happening like, you know, Beat Saber suddenly selling a million copies. 
a million copies of virtual reality yeah. only that's interesting i my whole family was playing that for new year's eve and all the visitors were playing it you know even my wife plays it she hates games the only yeah. problem is she's better at b-saber than me so i don't want to play anymore um but uh that's what you get when you have a sense of rhythm right hmm. so anyway with all these things and we're seeing netflix with bandersnatch and you know universal is beginning to do interactive visual novels as apps the whole idea of telling stories in a new way is coming back it's almost sneaking up on us again after we thought it was dead so i think it's an exciting time i think it's coming back this whole thing but in a new shape and with new technologies Mm. I remember back in the days when we were discussing about uh, transmedia storytelling and where it was heading back in the heydays of transmedia storytelling before it got flogged to death by marketing, etc. and so forth. Uh, I, I remember just talking about how the future that we wanted was the future where you wouldn't need the term transmedia because everything would already be uh, developed for all the f- platforms that made sense for each individual story or project or or content and i guess that's where we we are right now so you still but now you still need uh, transmedia storytelling principles at the back of your mind when you look at projects and when you look at stories but now it's become such a natural part of everyday existence for for uh, especially for consumers and thereby, by default, also for creators. That's that's where we at right now. Absolutely, I think a lot of the a lot of the ideas and theories, you know, I think they were right, but they were just in the wrong kind of mode. You know, Henry Jenkins going out and, and, and saying that you would be able to have a transmedia story where people experience one beat in one uh, medium, another beat in another. You know. I've myself said that he was completely wrong, but <laughs> lately I've been thinking, well, you know, the world has gone that way. You, I would not advise anybody to make an original story and have different beats and different media because that does not work. But just look at what Marvel Studios has been doing, you know, with this huge storytelling project over 23 movies and umpteen games and all these things. You know, it's almost as if these ideas and have been absorbed into the atmosphere. And now people don't, as you say, people don't need to say it anymore. It just, it's, it's just being done. Now, we were talking before we started this official podcast <laughs> talk about uh, how good it is to have be able to do something that people are willing to pay you for and that you find interesting. Now, the field that Sefima is looking into, i.e. new narratives, has in my experience, always been a field where it's a little bit difficult to find, you know, the sustainable business models and, you know, how to how to get it rolling in a, in a way that makes economical sense for creators. So do you see, I, because there was a post you had about uh, funding that I th- a lot of people reacted positively to, uh, and, and it was part of your wiki page as well with funding possibilities. So from your point of view, when you've been looking into this, do you see a, a rise in funding possibilities for new forms of narratives, or or how? What are the most uh, financially viable ways to create such projects? I think it's tough right now. 
Um, I think, you know, there is the, the classic hype curve where you have, <laughs> you have first the hype curve and then you have the trough of disillusionment and then you have a slow build towards the actual peak. I think we're very much in the trough right now. Um, I think just, you know, two or three years ago, there was a lot more money around because people like Sony and Oculus and even Google were still investing in content and trying to, you know, make killer content that would popularize their particular headset. Um, so both from a, you know, experimental viewpoint or from a, you know, VR game viewpoint or whatever, uh, there, there was a lot more money two or three years ago. Right now, I think it's it's very much about getting art grants or getting a place in a residency or something like that. And there are quite a few. Um, I think if you're willing to travel and you look around at the different uh, countries, you know, um, the British Art Council has some funding. In, in Norway, there's the FEMA. In Denmark, there's also um, a publicly funded art, uh, transmedia grant. Um, I know the German uh, Game Foundation has money now. Um, there's quite a lot going on in different parts of Germany. So, you know, I think the commercial money has sort of evaporated, but the grants are still there. And I think thanks to things like Beat Saber, um, it's all coming back. I think you know, a, th a thing we need to think about as as when we're working on the cutting edge is that, you know, the, the innovations tend to trickle from the art uh, world to the mainstream world, but the money tends to go the other way. So when when things like really commercial things like Beat Saber or maybe some of those interactive visual novels that are beginning to come out now, if they start to really hit, you know, Bandersnatch was a reasonable success, I think, and there's more coming that way. The more the mainstream gets used to these things, the more money that flows in there, the more attractive it will be for universities and public agencies and others to make grants to do the experimental side of these things. So I think I think we're in a good place where it's it's growing again. Um, but I think it's been a, a couple of tough years, <laughs> to put it mildly. Now, what would you say have been the most worthwhile consequences for you and for Safima from starting this group? Is it growing your network, or is it new inspiration, or what's has it has it full, fulfilled the the vision you set out with? Oh, I definitely think it has. I think the the idea that we talked about was that it would be great to start connecting some of the people who are actually, you know, actively working and thinking about these things. And they're, you know, they're joining up and they're posting and they're discussing. And it's a, the thing about social media groups is always that it's it's a slow trickle that slowly, you know, just becomes bigger and bigger until it becomes a flood. And you just have to keep going and, you know, posting interesting stuff and creating discussions and then people slowly get to know each other, I think. And that's that's been very satisfying. Um, it always surprises me that if I'm at a conference um, and I meet somebody who are, whom I've only seen on a social network, it feels like I know them, you know? The, the lizard brain doesn't really care whether you're actually meeting or you're just conversing on an online medium. It still feels like you know that person. And I think that's great. I think that's an undervalued 
aspect to to networking like this. I think you actually you get real um, you get real contact and you get a real exchange of uh, information. So I think that that was the main thing was was to build the network and that's happening. And the second thing for me personally has been that you know it really inspires and motivates me to stay up to date because mm. if we have an interesting discussion every day about what's going on on the cutting edge of narratives, then you you know it forces me to to stay up to date. So that's mm. great. My my day job is much more commercial, so it's it's a way of keeping the old idealism alive. Wonderful thing. <laughs> But finally, looking at the name of the group, so what, in your opinion, is the future of narratives? Small question. Yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> well, I think uh, I think I think we're going to live these stories. You know, I think not that they're going to take over our lives, but I think Chris Milk said this recently: is that you know, films you spectate, you watch them, and and games you play them. But when you're talking about immersive stories, immersive media like virtual reality or augmented reality, where Uh, you're in the middle of it, then that's inevitably what it's moving towards. That's the next barrier or, or that's the next thing to achieve. And it's a huge thing to achieve. You know, we're going to need virtual characters um, that we actually believe in, that actually, you know, react believably to us and that can you know, understand what it is we're doing, not just moving and shooting, but actual interaction. Um, and we're going to need worlds that live and breathe, you know, that even if they're simplified and stylized, that we have to believe in them, they have to have logic, and they have to be interesting. And then perhaps even more difficult, we, we need we need stories that adapt around us. Jean Guestan, who's the creative director on Assassin's Creed, recently said really interestingly, he said, plot is dead, but story is alive and well. And I think that is a perfect little quote. What's what's going to be happening over the coming years, and we're seeing it already in the really big online games, is that uh, machine learning is going to come in and it's going to adapt the world around you uh, depending on what you do. And because the machine can learn from thousands of players, uh, it will actually be able to do things that were unscripted and it will be able to, you know, shift things around in a satisfying way. Even though the machine doesn't understand what it's doing, it can just, it can basically work the statistics and figure out what works for people. And I think that's fascinating because the idea of a story that reacted without somebody planning it and still being a satisfying story and the idea of a character reacting without being scripted You know, that's been way beyond science fiction for so long because it requires so much machine intelligence to do. But if it's just statistics, then maybe it's not so far away. You know, if if the next generation of massively multiplayer online games is basically a big machine learning that if a player does this and experiences that, then the player will be happy. That's not quite as difficult. So some of these things that that seemed like super science fiction just a few years ago don't seem that far away anymore. And of course, we know there are huge capital interests um, in getting machine learning to work in all kinds of sectors. So 
I think as always, the the entertainment industry is going to benefit from this these other um, industries. I think uh, I think we're going to know the future of storytelling is fake, but it's not going to feel fake. It's going to mm-hmm. feel real, and it's going to be such a huge challenge, but such huge opportunities as well to develop the skill sets needed to create the story worlds and create the foundations. And then have the imagination to to let the stories build themselves within that framework. It's going to be exciting. Exactly, it's going to be fun to follow. You know, and that's I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, in part, being part of it through through my work, but also just you know seeing these innovations and trying them, seeing what other people are doing. It's going to be the next ten years are going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Christian, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Evolving Media Podcast. And and I encourage anyone who's listening to this to go look up Sefima, uh, C-E-F-I-M-A, I I think, Sefima, on Facebook and join that group and learn more about the future of narratives. Thank you, Christian. Thanks a lot, Simon.